As we conclude this morning, I'd like to take a look at one verse in the Bible. If you have your Bible with you, or you may have the Bible on a device that you brought with you this morning, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. At the beginning, we mentioned that we're going to go on a gospel journey this morning. And that gospel journey can really be summarized in just three simple words. Sin, suffering, and salvation. That really is the simple message of the gospel. All have sinned and come short of God's perfection. God sent his son because he loved the world to be the sacrifice and to suffer for your sin. The only way back to God in salvation is through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so glad that God kept the way back to him so, uh, so simple. The seminary professor once told me that the profundity is in the simplicity. Our world is a very complex place. The Bible says that every man is seeking to do that which is right in his own eyes. The plans for man to find their way back to God only lead to destruction, so we've got to look at God's simple plan and how he uses his son to lead us back to himself. I'm going to finish with a few remarks here. Uh, Around four words, four words. Our gospel story can be summarized in three. I'm going to use four other simple words to restate what you've already heard sung and spoken this morning. Reason. Reason. Reality, restoration, and reward. I want to do something with those four simple words. And I want you to put the word your before each word. Your reason, your reality, your restoration, and your reward. Because the gospel is a personal gospel. I could say it's our reason our reality, our restoration, our reward, that would make it somewhat personal, but put your before each word. Let's all draw the circle around our own seats this morning, and let's assume, because it's true, that God is expressing his love towards you in his word, so that you personally could know how to have a relationship with your creator through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. These four simple personalized words that begin with the letter R are seen in four separate phrases in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4 as we conclude this morning. Paul says, For indeed he was crucified because of weakness, yet he lives because of the power of God. For we also are weak in him, yet we live with him because of the power of God directed towards you. The reason, or your reason, or our reason, in relationship to the gospel message is simply found in the first phrase, for indeed he was crucified because of weakness. That's the reason why Jesus had to come to be born 
to suffer, to die. He did so because of your weakness. He did so because of my weakness. What's our weakness? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The reason for his coming was because we had a deep need. I can remember years ago, I grew up in a house right next door to our church. As a matter of fact, the property that was donated was donated by a grandfather of a gal who's with us with her daughter this morning, uh, years and years ago. There was a little old farmhouse right next to the church here, and that was the farmhouse that they decided to renovate um, for our family to live in. Uh, my father was the, the former pastor here. And I can remember there were two specific places on the first floor where the beams were sagging quite a bit. I can remember in one place uh, where the beam was sagging, they, they went and got a big header beam uh, and they had taken a manual jack uh, to jack up the middle of that beam where it was sagging and they cut out a place for that header beam uh, to be the new support. So the sag was taken care of. In another place, they did the same thing and they actually built a post uh, as a support beam. So we had one horizontal and we had one vertical that took care of the weakness. If it wasn't for those two supports being built, um, they said that the second floor of the house would ultimately become the first floor of the house. <laughs> they had to take care of the weakness. And indeed, we all have a fundamental flaw that needs to be buttressed. Without it, uh, there'll be devastation, personal, spiritual devastation for us. You may be living that devastation now, but after you breathe your last, the devastation doesn't end. It only gets worse. This is the reason. For indeed, Christ was crucified for your weakness. He was the only person that could buttress that weakness. The Bible says, but God freely offered his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, he sent Christ to die for us. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 states, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Christ and through Christ to reconcile all things back to himself. That includes you and me. Having made peace through the blood of his son's cross. Christ was the only one to stand up for us. In our weakness, he was divine strength for our terminal problem. He's the reason for his own sacrifice. We're the reason for his own sacrifice. What's our reality? As we continue towards our conclusion this morning, let's look at the next phrase of verse 4. Yet he lives because of the power of God. He lived and died for us, but he was also resurrected for us so that we might have eternal life. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around what it means to be all-powerful. There's this big word that 
Bible people use when they define God. There's lots of big words, but one is omnipotence. He's, he is all-powerful. It's hard for me to wrap my, my mind around that because we're finite. He's infinite. But recently, you probably, along with me, were reading a number of articles about the black hole. This is the first black hole that they've discovered outside of our own galaxy. The Event Horizon Telescope in the M87 galaxy found a black hole that's six and a half billion times larger than our own sun. The closest black hole discovered in our own galaxy is still 156 quadrillion miles away from your front door. Scientists, mathematicians, admittedly state that when they discover these things, they feel quite small. The girl who came up with the algorithms and the mathematic way to even find their way to this first black hole outside of her own galaxy, in galaxy M87, she just, you probably saw the picture, right? She sat by in front of her screen, she folded her hands, she looked at the camera, and she just went. Wow. How does someone raise themselves from the dead? None of us have ever seen that. We couldn't raise ourselves from our own graves. You couldn't go to the Menor Cemetery or the Willoughby Cemetery to a relative's graveside and say, Mom, Dad, rise. Anyone here that would claim that they could do that would probably be carted to a special place for some therapy. Right? But he who is all-powerful can do this. He who created M87... He whose footsteps and footprints walk upon the threshold of every galaxy still yet unknown to man. He can do that. And he did do that. I find it interesting that in the New Testament, all three members of the Godhead took part in the resurrection. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Peter said in his sermon in Acts 2.32, this Jesus, God, raised from the dead, and we are all witnesses, as we've heard read this morning. In John chapter 2 and verse 18, Jesus said of himself, this temple, this body, will be destroyed, and in three days I will raise it up. He said something similar in John chapter 10 and verse 18, where he said, I have the authority to lay my life down and to raise it up, and in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, the apostle Paul says, but if the Holy Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he also raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he who that raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Peter states something similar in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. But you notice earlier I said God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There's three personalities of divinity, but they're all one omnipotent essence. 
the creator, the sinless creator, our sinless savior, the sinless spirit of God, all three have within their nature infinite power. They have power even over the effects of sin, which is death. That's why Jesus in John 11 could walk up to the graveside of his best friend Lazarus and he could say, Lazarus, rise and come forth. And he does. He who said, let there be light. And there was light. With his spoken word, miracles happen. Omnipotence. Omnipotence is what it took. It's the reality that was required for death's sentence to be overturned. None of us can stop the reality that one day we're going to breathe our last. Don't you wish you could? We're all trying super hard, right? When I was at 30 years old, I could lose weight by just thinking about it, right? When I was 40 years old, I actually had to diet, but I didn't have to exercise. When I had 50, what in the world's 50? Unbelievable, right? I diet, I exercise, and I think about it. And it still doesn't come off. Right? I wish I could. I wish I could reverse my bodily trend towards the inevitable. We can't, but God can. But long before he's interested in saving our bodies, he's interested in saving your soul. And omnipotence can do both. Omnipotence will do both if you'll let this omnipotence be your reality. Your soul needs to be resurrected from the effects of sin upon it. Your soul is dead. It needs to become alive in Christ. When you become alive in Christ in your soul, when your body dies someday, as we've already read, It will be resurrected as Christ's body was resurrected. His resurrection will be yours if your soul is resurrected first. So our reason, our reality, and our restoration. The third phrase in this verse simply states this. For we are also weak in him. We are also weak in him. Have you ever heard the phrase, I'm just a sinner saved by grace? Some of you that have been around church for a long time are familiar with that. That's really what this phrase is saying. I'm still a sinner. I'm still weak, but I've been restored. I'm protected in him. Uh, When I asked uh, Rhonda's dad uh, for her hand in marriage, that was one of the scariest times in my life uh, because I didn't have what she had growing up. And uh, I knew what I was bringing her to here was almost the antithesis of what, of what she enjoyed. And uh, I'm so glad my father-in-law didn't ask me what my salary was going to be at the time that I asked him if I could marry her. He may have said no. Um, 
But I remember sitting in the car with him, and I really didn't even know. It was easier to ask Rhonda to marry me than it was to ask her dad if I could marry her. And uh, he was a man of very few words. I could remember, man, how am I going to do this? I can't marry without asking him. I can't get engaged. I'm supposed to get engaged tomorrow. Rhonda doesn't know that, but I can't get engaged tomorrow. My plans are blown up unless I talk to him. So we're in the car. It was probably the most awkward time for him. It was for me. We pulled in the driveway at uh, 1005 Greenbrier, Muncie, Indiana, and I just said, hey, Ron, do you mind if I marry Rhonda? (laughs) (laughs) I was just just like, oh, man. (laughs) And he goes, and this this always stuck with me. Uh, He said, absolutely. She feels safe with you. Really? She feels safe with you. And I thought about that story in my own little life in relationship to him. For we also are weak in him. Only it's, 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 it's much more of a strength he brings to our life than marital strength or marital love. This is, this is an infinite strength. It's amazing when you find out that Jesus died for you as a sinner and then he actually offers an opportunity for you to come in his family weak, only in him. I love the hymn for those of you that have been saved for some time. I am his and he is what? He is mine. We're loved with an everlasting love. Paul says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. In our weakness, he causes us to walk in him with newness of life. He says something similar in Colossians 1.22, Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death, in order to present you before him holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Wow. In him. My weakness has been made strong. And I'm accepted before God because of Christ. And the final phrase here is all about reward. Yet we will live with him. Because of the power of God directed towards you. This power that's been directed towards you, my friends, is resurrection power. This power for you and me, remember, this is going to be your reward now. This power offered to you, directed towards you, specified, to be grammatically correct, for you, is found in one person, Jesus Christ, who rose himself from the dead omnipotent power over sin and the effects of sin, which is death. And he says here that the reward is not just for the here and now, it's for eternity. It's in the future here. If you'll look at the last phrase again with me, yet we will live with him. It's fascinating to me that we understand Christ's reason for coming and we understand our reality and our ability in him to be restored to him, we understand that reward for us is really threefold. 
Jesus said, I'm come to give life and to give you life more abundantly today, right now, while you live and breathe. One of the easiest verses in all the Bible to understand is 1 John 5, 12. He that has the Son has life. He that has Jesus has life. He that does not have Jesus does not have life. All one syllables, words. Isn't that a powerful? This abundant life is only in Jesus now. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's now. But what about when we breathe our last in him? He's got that taken care of too. Romans 8, chapter 8, and verse 11 says, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your dead mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You will have a resurrection because Christ has had a resurrection and he lives. And because he lives, you will live for eternity. But the reward goes beyond just the different kind of life now and a resurrection then. What does he say in John 14, 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through me. Eternal life, enjoying the presence of our Creator, is only through Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. That's reward. I find it fascinating, and I know this is so simple. Um, hopefully, again, the, 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 the profundities and the simplicity as we close. There's never been a religious leader in history that could offer anybody eternal life. Now think about this. There's never been another religious leader in history that could offer someone rest in their soul like Jesus did in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. No religious leader, no cult leader, no human being has ever been able to offer those two things peace in your soul and life eternal with your creator. Reward. We all love rewards. I'm assuming some of you young people still get rewarded even for at Easter time. How old were you when you stopped getting chocolate? So you're never too old to get chocolate. Right? Some kids are looking at their parents. Yeah, how old am I supposed to be before I stop getting chocolate? Is it coming today? I saw them quickly get whiplash and turn to their parents. Yeah. I've been good. Well, that's only Christmas and birthdays, right? No, it's Easter too, right? We're, we're, we're created by God to pursue reward and to work hard for it. This is one reward that no person can work hard for. Because Jesus did all the work already. Rest in your soul, abundant living now, and eternal life then is all found in Jesus who did all the work on the cross for you. Let's pray together.
with our heads bowed, I just want to share my heart with you as your friend. I know we live in a world that's increasingly growing in its boldness to state where they're at socially, politically, religiously, and some even spiritually. The world is a very, very noisy place right now. I guess I could say it's always been a super noisy place. But as your friend, I have to tell you the exclusive claims of Jesus Christ. If you would believe them and trust in Him alone, He would quiet the noise of the world in your life. You would know what it means to find rest unto your soul, forgiveness of your sins. Our reality is we caused his sacrifice. Our reason, the reality is he did rise from the dead to overcome, overpower the effects of our sin. He calls us to be restored to him and in our weakness be in him so that we might know personal reward. I don't know, folks. None of us can boast of what tomorrow's going to bring. Because I love you, I'll just say this. If you're here this morning and you know a lot about Jesus, but you don't know him personally, please don't walk away from this place without inviting omnipotence into your heart. When Jesus makes the exclusive claim that I am the only way, the only truth, and the only life, no man will make it to the Father but through me and my sacrifice. That's what he meant. Don't take the simplicity and make it complex. There's one door and only one, and yet its sides are two. Some are on the inside this morning. Which side are you? Jesus is the door. Can you remember a time in your life where you decided to submit your life to Jesus Christ? Maybe it could be today. Maybe today. And as we close, as heads are bowed, you could just tell the Lord right now, Lord, you died for me. My weakness caused the cross. Lord, you rose again for me. You conquered the effects of my own sin. Lord, you've invited me and my weakness to be protected in you, to feel spiritually and eternally safe in you. And today, Lord, I turn from my sin. And I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I place my faith in you. And thank you, Lord, for the reward. Lord, my heart already feels lighter, more joyful. 
I've been released from the bondage of my own habitual sin. And thank you for giving me eternal life. That's just quiet, loving, profound truth, my friends. If you prayed that prayer, to ask the Lord Jesus into your life, understanding these things, the Bible says that God's given you the authority to be called one of his children. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's not deaf. He heard you. He welcomed you and his son because you understand something so profoundly simple this morning. If you prayed to trust Christ as your Savior this morning, would you tell the person that came with you or you came with today, would you tell me or one of the pastors going out the door, if you feel more confident doing those two things, please do that. If you feel confident enough while heads are bowed and eyes are closed now to say, hey, by an uplifted hand, I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you, call you by name, but I just want to see your hand so I can pray for you this week. If you prayed that prayer to trust Christ this morning, would you just slip up your hand? You don't have to. Lord bless you. Thank you. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. Thank you. Lord bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. You may put your hand down. Thank you. And that's just folks that raise their hand. I'm confident there's others in the quietness of their own heart understood this morning what it meant to be born again. I'm telling you, there's some of my friends in the auditorium this morning, you guys know how much I love you. But there is no greater love to talk about than the love of Jesus. If his power can overcome the power of death, he can certainly help you overcome the power of a vice that's got a grip on your life right now. Only his power can do that. Would you look to him? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for speaking to our hearts this morning through the singing, through the speaking of your word, through the explanation of your word, and through the help of your Holy Spirit who helps us just understand our simple need for Jesus and him alone. We thank you for those who in their hearts this morning reached out to heaven for help. And we thank you for the promise in your word that you did indeed change their hearts, transform them by your grace, and call them your children today. Give us wisdom, Lord, as we seek to help them get to know their Jesus a little bit better. We thank you, Lord, that the reality of our life is 52 Sundays a year we celebrate the resurrection. This is the Lord's day. This is the day 
when sin's grip lost its squeeze because Jesus is risen. May we go with great delight in our hearts this morning, always remembering that the grip of death has been broken by our Savior Jesus Christ and his bodily resurrection. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.